0: I even even got to sing to my wife yesterday. (laughs) Just don't ask me to do it again. (laughs) No, we we had a... Next Sunday, my wife and I were celebrating 35 wonderful years of marriage. And uh, she still is my best friend. And she's just as gorgeous and beautiful as ever. And she's a wonderful wife and a great mother. And you know, I'll tell you, the thing that just makes your marriage work is when Jesus is in the center of your marriage. I mean it. It's when Jesus is there. It's the thing that just keeps the spark alive. It's what keeps the momentum in the marriage. I I would hate... To be married today and not have Jesus in my marriage. I don't know how people would. Well, in fact, our culture uh, completely works against monogamy. It works against it. But when you have Jesus in your marriage, it's the fuel that keeps it going. And I'll tell you, I just appreciate the blessing of the Lord and our three wonderful sons. And now we've got some grandkids and God is good. Amen. Thank you, Carol uh well we just want to welcome all you this morning I, I go ahead judy if you could put up my uh, uh, uh are the kids leaving this day our children are gonna we have class for children if you like to go into the classes in the back i want you to jump with me in your bible this morning to matthew chapter five john i'm sorry john chapter five verse twenty John chapter five. I want to talk to you about the honor principle. The honor principle. You know today, when we use the word honor, honor is often used in uh, to celebrate those who have been heroic in certain areas, maybe like in the military, and and we should of course honor those who have served in our military or those who have made major sacrifices, or those who have made accomplishments. We usually refer to honor for those who have done things that have been outstanding, things that have made a sacrifice for others. But do you know that Jesus came when He came 2,000 years ago and He brought the message of the kingdom? The message of a kingdom was the message of honor. And one thing that I believe that has been missing in the church is this concept of honor. Because do you know that God is a God of honor? And you see, when a lot of us, we were born in a church or maybe we got saved in some crusade, someone led us to the Lord. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that when you get saved, many people think that when you get saved, well, now I've arrived, and they think that that's the end of it all. No, your salvation is the beginning of a learning curve. Your salvation is the beginning of you coming out of darkness. You've already been translated out of darkness, but your mind, your soul, Has not yet been renewed. Do you know that when you get saved, what is actually saved is your spirit man? Your soulish man is not saved yet. Your soul is still full of a lot of selfishness. That's one of the reasons why a lot of Christians, young Christians, when they come to the Lord and and they get saved, many of them misunderstand. They actually think, well, I thought when I got saved that all, God would take all my bad habits away and, and I would just love all everybody and I would never have a bad day ever in my life. No. You can wake up tomorrow with still those nasty temptations. You can still wake up and you might have that guy cut you off on 635 and you might even actually flip him a bird like you used to do it. Or make some gestures and you may, like, and then you probably begin to say, I can't believe it. I gave my heart to Jesus last week in New Life and look at me. I must not be saved. I can't tell you how many thousands of people go through that kind of little exercise. And then they begin to doubt whether they're saved. No, you're saved. You're just, you haven't yet been renewed in your mind yet. You haven't come to follow the Romans What we call the romans road romans 5 6 and 7 and 8 you haven't come to yet reckon your old man dead you haven't yet come to understand what that means now it's not that we're saved by works but paul says we're to reckon the old man dead that means that i am crucified with christ that means i'm not going to allow those certain ideas now we know that behavior is not changed by willpower. There's a lot of people, sociologists, psychologists today, we, we, we address the problems with humanity and we try to pop pills down people's, we try to re-educate or get, put them in some kind of a rehab facility to alter and change their behavior. I want to tell you something, you can never change behavior until you change the spirit of that man and that woman. And then after that, there's a renewing process where I need to do what Paul said in Ephesians, I need to put off the old man and I need to put on the new man which is renewed In the knowledge of His Word. That's why when you become a new Christian, the one thing you need more than anything is you need the Word of God. You need to feed your faith. No one here would ever take a newborn infant baby after they've been born and just leave them alone. I mean, that would be just... Unless there's something mentally wrong with you. You would never do that. A healthy parent takes an infant. And the first thing that infant wants to do, and this is why God gives us these natural illustrations, but He gives us these illustrations to show us some spiritual pictures and some metaphors. But the first thing you do with a newborn baby, after they are born, they start breathing. And the, the next thing that happens is they start eating from their mother's breasts. And then there is that close touch that that infant needs. Babies need to be touched and held and close to their mother and their father and they need, to, they need to eat constantly. But that baby also needs to be carried. Babies can't walk. They can't even crawl. Everywhere, children, babies need to be carried. And in that time of infancy, When you're carrying that little infant, and they cry, and they poop their diapers, and they're burping up all over the place. How many of you know you just look at that little baby and just look at it? Aren't they just so cute? They're just so sweet. That's my grandson or my granddaughter there. And you just, you hold them close, and you, man, my wife and I on our little iPhones, we got a gazillion pictures of our grandkids. And you know, we've already had them in our house and they've had their little accidents all over. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because we're family. And you know what? When those little babies are born in your house, you know, we didn't tell little Reagan or little Ethan, how dare you wet on me? (laughs) Can you believe what, Carol, did you see what Ethan did? He wet on me. I mean, we don't come across and chastise them. He burped on my shoulder. Oh, I can't believe it. He pooped in the elevator and I couldn't get, I can't believe it. We, we, we don't have those kind of responses. We understand. They're babies. They're babies. Now, in, in the house of God, there's lots of babies in the church. And you know, now, none of us would ever like to say, hey, well, I'm a baby. Nobody ever likes to wave their hand. Now, do you know it's possible, though, in the kingdom of God? You know, now, in the natural realm, babies naturally grow, and they just grow up. But in the kingdom of God, it's possible for you to be wearing a diaper still after 20 years. It's possible for you to be and maintain and, and stay a baby. Now, how many of you would kind of think that would be weird if I was standing up here with diapers on, in a bottle? You'd say, Pastor Ray, you need deliverance, of course. And you need some real help, Pastor Ray. You would think, oh, Ray, Pastor Ray, and the reason I use myself, I would never call any of you to, as the example. But you would say, there's something wrong with Pastor Ray. He's still on the bottle, still needs diapers, Still needs mama, hasn't really grown up. We'd say, something's wrong there. Well, you know, there's a lot of people in the kingdom that are still babies. Now, it's great to be a baby for a season. We all understand. Babies need a lot of latitude. They need lots of room, and we need lots of flexibility. And babies need lots of care. And people who have babies, you carry them, you feed them, you burp them, you change them, you love them, you encourage them. And you know, when they fall apart, how many of you ever seen a baby? I went in the nursery one time, and one baby was, or one toddler was pushing a train around a track, and another toddler came in and pushed the train off the track, and the other baby toddler came to the nursery worker and thought, <gasps> I lost it, and it was a major crisis, but the crisis was just, he pushed my train off my track, and we think, wow, well, the same thing even applies today. You know, so the church needs to understand that in one sense, we are like a glorified nursery. And we're here to help raise babies into mature sons and daughters of the kingdom where they grow up to become spiritual fathers and mothers in the kingdom of God. That's the ultimate goal. You're not just here to just be fed and, Okay, I'm here, Pastor. Feed me. Change me. Help me. Meet me. Do it for me. 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 Well, there comes a time where Pastor Ray says, no, here's a spoon. Feed yourself. In Jesus' name. Here's a Bible. Start reading it. Here's a ministry. Start serving. Praise God. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I steal them in diapers, man. All right, grow up. Grow up in Jesus' name. You know, there's some pastors that preach, and uh, I want to be careful here, but the seeker-sensitive message is a milk message. It's a message that keeps people in diapers. Now, one of the things that Jesus desires is... In the kingdom of God, in order for you to come into a place of honor, we have to learn to grow. We have to learn to grow up. Babies don't get a whole lot of honor. Oh, they get a lot of attention. But they really don't get a lot of honor because they're babies. And if you know anything about babies, babies are very, very selfish. Babies are all focused on me, 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 me. But you know what, as you begin to grow, and as you begin to grow up, you begin to become a man and a woman of honor. God's plan and desire is for us to become men and women of honor. God is a God of honor. God is a God whose plan and desire is for you to be honorable. When we think of honor, we think of someone who's highly esteemed, someone Who's coming into a place of life where they begin to reflect in their nature, their character. They begin to reflect areas of responsibility. They become wise. They become healthy. They also become servants. Jesus uh, Jesus illustrated what it was to become uh, a man of honor. Jesus was our Lord and Savior, but He also illustrated honor. And one of the ways that He did that is He illustrated honor by honoring His Father. In Matthew's Gospel, I want you to read this with me. I want you to see what the Bible says here in Matthew 5, verse 20. It says, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself does. And He will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the father he who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him jump over with me to john gospel chapter 8 verse 28 john 8 verse 28 a couple pages over in your bible john 8:28 jesus said when you lift up the son of man then you will know that i am he and that i do nothing of myself, But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always, everyone say always. I always do those things that please Him. Wouldn't that be an awesome testimony about New Life Fellowship? New Life Fellowship is known for a church that always does things that please Him. Isn't that an honorable thing, to do? So God has called us to live for Him. One of the things that in our society right now, it's interesting, we're we're a society that has made such a shift. In fact, we've gone backwards. It's almost like we honor the dishonorable today. We seem to have a society that honors perversion. We honor rebellion. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that we honor those who, for instance, burn flags? Burn the very flag that people laid their life down in our country. We have people today that want to destroy our Constitution. Those who actually died and spilled their blood to protect We have leaders today that do not honor our constitutional rights. We were a nation of freedom because we were a nation built on the Word of God. It is the Word of God that made this nation what it is. It wasn't humanism. It wasn't man's intellect or his ingenuity or his his, his, uh, psychology. It was the fact that there were founding fathers. Do you know that the first congress... (laughs) of America that convened back in 1776 do you know the first Congress spent three hours in fasting and prayer waiting on God calling the Congress of the United States calling on God for wisdom for direction for understanding in fact do you know that there was a day that you couldn't even become a US Supreme Court just unless you professed that you were a Christian and that you believed in the authority of the Word of God. Nowadays, it's almost, a, a, it's almost you're almost breaking the law to bring up this concept. Our nation has gone backwards. You know, I, I don't really fault the leaders that are in office right now. But what I do have a concern for is the people that have put them there. It shows you the spiritual thermometer of where our nation is. And I know there's a lot of, well, Pastor, what about the separation of church? let me tell you something. Our nation is an honorable nation. An, an, An honored nation is a nation that has its values based on something higher than themselves. Our founding fathers knew that we by ourselves who would try to govern and lead ourselves is a very, very dangerous problem. We needed a higher authority. We needed the word of God. We needed God. And our founding fathers knew that. And because of that, based on the promise and the covenant that God made with Solomon, America was established, just like he told Israel. He says, because you have exalted and because you have lifted up my statutes and my commandments, I will cause you as a nation to be exalted among all the nations of the world. America was a nation of great favor and was exalted because not because of any kind of policy or who we were. It was because there were a group of men and women that honored God and therefore God honored them. And when we get away from that, we as a nation, because God has no respecter of persons, we don't honor God, we choose to reject God, What happens is God has no other choice but to remove Himself. Because we have the power to literally kick God out of our nation. You can kick God out of your family. Honor starts from the top down. Everyone say the top. Honor started with the Father. When the Father chose to send his son to die on the earth because Adam had kind of made a mess of things. How many of you know that when Adam was in the garden, he was walking not only in fellowship, but he was walking in the glory and the splendor of the God that he was in relationship with. When Adam was in pure relationship with the Father, do you know that Adam was given the responsibility and the privilege To name all the animals? What that was, was God was giving him the power because Adam being created in the image of of God was given the right to actually speak and declare an identity over creation. Do you know that you have the power to declare identity over people and over nations? You see, honor starts from the top. If there's no honor, if there's no understanding of honor within those who lead, whether it's presidents, governors, whether it's senators, congress, whether it's fathers, mothers, commissioners, mayor, wherever whatever possesses you is what you are going to pass on to others. If you have been raised in an environment of dishonor, then you are going to convey dishonor to others. Years ago, in the church I was raised in, and I appreciate my roots. But I remember when we were raised in the church and we were presented the gospel. We we were not taught on the principles of honor. I know that. And by the way, there's in each generation God brings a revelation of truth. And as we grow, come to grow in the knowledge of the truth, we begin to grow in more freedom and understanding, and we begin to mature in the Lord. But I remember when I was a young man, I remember there was a day when we as, as a young church in Portland, Oregon, we were praying that God would send the harvest. And when we were praying that God would send the harvest, we, we knew that the Lord wanted us to be salt and light in the earth. And I remember in those days, you didn't go to church without a haircut and a suit and a tie on. And I remember when we begin to pray for harvest, and God began to send people into our church, that young church at 76 in Gleason in in, in uh, Portland, Oregon. All of a sudden, God began to send people into our church that were not like us. And all of a sudden, people started coming in, and during those days, some of you may not remember this, but uh, during those days, it was when they had the Rolling Stones and the And the Beatles were hot on the market then, and and Led Zeppelin, Ozzy Ozzy, Oz, and hippies begin to come into our churches because there was a hunger for God. Well, because our church had not been taught on the principle of honor, we did not know how to honor people. You know what's amazing? When you have not been taught honor, if you have not had your mind renewed in the love of God, do you know what you will do? You will try to change people by controlling them. We had people coming into our church. You know what we were going to do? They started coming. They'd come with their flip-flops. I remember one time looking behind me and there was a hippie couple that came and brought their big old brown Labrador and they were just so happy to be in church and they just brought their dog right down to the church and had the dog in. And I remember two ushers were running down. Get that dog out of the church. You don't bring dogs in church. I mean, and the hippies, they "Oh, so sorry, we, we didn't know you can't bring dogs. Dogs need Jesus. I mean, see, they, they didn't know. And you know, it's amazing, we, 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 were, we had people, we had young hippies too, they were coming in, they were high as a kite, on pot, hey man, hey Jesus, Jesus is just all right, man, wow. <laughs> Whoa. There were guys that come in and high and some pot all over them, and they're, wow, I love this boy. And you know, and the first thing we did as a church, we panicked. We wanted to, we wanted to cut that hair, get those braids out, and put a tie on you, get a suit, jacket. I mean, we were so more concerned about making them look like us. Because if you just look like us, then we can accept you because we are what's going on. We've got the corner on what's going on. All of a sudden, as fast as they came in, they started to leave. And we, you know what the mentality was? Well, too bad, they're going to go to hell. They can't be like us because they're not like us. I mean, we we just we were a young difficult church. My pastor at the time, Dick, he's still my pastor. To this day great awesome man of God. He's he's still my spiritual father in the Lord. He will even tell you, well those days were difficult days because we didn't understand the kingdom of honor. What is so amazing? I want you to jump over with me in your bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Luke, chapter 15. By the way, I'm starting a series on honor, so I'm not going to get through with this today. But I want you to see something here in Luke, chapter 15, verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Him to hear Him, And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Think about this. Here's the sinless, perfect Son of God. This is God. Sitting down with drunks prostitutes thieves liars possibly some rapists probably some dope heads the bible said he received them yes. do you know what it is to honor people honoring people doesn't mean that you necessarily we don't, we don't accept obviously the sin But we're able to separate the sin and honor them as people. But here's the problem. When you've had a diet of theology that has been based on performance and legalism, you try to force and make people fit into your spiritual box. And you end up trying to control people rather than transform them and empower them through honor. Jesus honored sinners, He didn't honor their sin, but He received them. Name is, oh, Pastor Ray, that's a license, man. You just laid down a license here for just, oh man, well, there's no no standard. No, No, no. No, just the opposite. When you honor people, you empower them to do those things that you can't do through control. You empower them to change by love. The Bible says that He not only received them, He ate with them. And under the Jewish law and under the Jewish customs, Jews were not supposed to eat with a Gentile because it was considered defilement. You're not to eat with them, you're not to, they're not even to come in your house, and you're not to go to their house, and if you do, you're a defiled Jew because you are supposed to keep yourself holy and honorable. And how dare you eat! But those publicans, those thieves, those liars, those people, they don't fit into our box. You know what Jesus did? One day he came into the temple. You know, sometimes in order for you to establish a place of honor, you need to do some house cleaning. One day Jesus came into the temple. This was right after they had Palm Sunday and they were welcoming Jesus. Amen, Jesus. Here comes Jesus, man. See, the reason why they... By the way, do you know why Palm Sunday exists and why they really love Jesus? Because Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And they saw Jesus as a military political Messiah that would be able to deliver them from the tyranny and the Roman oppression. But Jesus comes in. The right, the day after they get the hose down unto the son of David, oh, they're having this big parade for Jesus. Jesus goes into the temple the next day and he cleans the church out, throws the tables over, throws out the uh, uh, money changers. In, in, in the book of Mark, it says that Jesus stood at the door and would not let anybody in. How many of you know that would just kind of send a shot to you to have a service like that? But the interesting thing that after Jesus cleansed the temple, it said all of a sudden the lame and the maim and children begin to come into the temple and it says that they saw the works of God and children begin to cry and people begin to weep and people begin to experience the power of God because and people... We're honored. And Jesus made this statement. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Not just some people, but for everybody. Do you know that our churches need to become a church for all nations? We're not a Caucasian church. We're not a Hispanic church. We're not an Indian church. We're not a black church. We're a church for all nations. And we honor everybody. Honor starts from the top. Honor must begin at the top. I remember a story a couple years ago. There was a man several years ago that had two twin boys, and he came to our church, and his boys got out of control. They were actually fighting so badly that the parents had to call the cops, to come because they, they, were, they were really, they were twin boys, getting into fights so bad the parents couldn't stop it. They had to stop. It. Finally, the, the father calls me up and he wanted me to play Moses to the kids. He wanted, Pastor, my kids are out of control. I need you to take the word of God and just lay into those boys and let them know they can't do this kind of behavior. And I said, well, that's not my job. That's your job. But I said, first of all, i be glad to talk to him. So they brought them in, and they sat in my office. My wife and I, we sat down, and they just kind of stared at us, and they, they felt like they, they were in the principal's office. And the one thing, the one thing that I did, I, I said, I want you guys just to relax. That, I mean, it's, it's sad that when they come to a path, and by the way, I know that some of you guys, when you come to see me, you think you're coming to the principal's office. <laughs> I want you guys to know that Pastor Ray is just Ray. I know. I, I know that we're to honor the person's calling in that sense, but Pastor Ray is no different than you. No different at all. But I remember just trying to tear down some of these walls. And uh, I said, you guys, just. First thing I started talking about that didn't make the father too happy, I said, Tell me about what, what interests you guys. I mean, what do you mean what interest? What do you like to do? Well, we like sports and we like hunting and we like fishing. Oh, really? You see, here's here's how you develop honor. Is when you begin to get in someone else's life. You begin to get to know people. The father was really getting irritated because, man, he wanted me to take the Bible and use it like a bat. I want you to straighten those boys out. And uh, I I wasn't using that approach. I was just coming to get to know them. And then I said, uh, we finally got into some of the conversation and the boys said, well, we we don't know why we get in fights. We just kind of get in fights because you know, we got hot tempers, and and one of the boys said to me, I, "I don't know why my dad's so upset. He has temper tantrums all the time." Oh, oh. So I asked the boys to leave the office, and I asked Dad and Mom to stay. And uh, the father said, "I don't know what these boys are talking about. We got a happy home, got a great marriage." All of a sudden, the wife is just standing there, not a, not, a, not a movement on her face, and she turns over and he looks at him, he says, "Well, you're happy, but I'm not." She says, and she said, "This home is what you've made it to be. It's all about you." And uh, I begin to realize, even as a pastor that I determine the atmosphere and the respect and the honor in the home by how I lead and how I honor and respect other people. You see, folks, honor... By the way, do you know that honor is not deserved? God God doesn't tell us to honor people because they deserve it. Do you know why we honor people? Because we're honorable people. We're honorable We don't honor people because they deserve it. But honor is empowering. Honor transforms people. As you begin to convey honor to people, it begins to help them become honorable as we live an honorable life. God has called us to be honorable. What does it mean to be honorable? Jump over with me to Luke 14. Luke 14. Notice what Jesus says in Luke 14. One thing about the kingdom of God, we need to realize that there are different levels of honor. Luke 14, verse 7. So he told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they, clo- they chose the best places, saying to them, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, this is Jesus talking, do not sit down in the best place." Lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give this place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who is invited, he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, Go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who ever humbles himself will be exalted. Can you say amen? Amen. The Bible is teaching us in this parable that there are different levels of honor. And you know what he says? Because this is the way our Heavenly Father thinks. How many of you know that when the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all got together realized there was a problem on mankind? How many of you believe that there was no problem in the Trinity about coming down? Can you imagine the Son saying to the Father, how dare you send me? I don't want to go down there and die for those renegades. They're going to crucify me, strip me, kill me. and uh, Send the Holy Spirit. <laughs> don't send me. I don't want to go down there. Wait a minute, what are you asking me to go for? Send the, let the Father go. You, you know, the Bible says that in the kingdom of honor, and this is what, what, what honor is. The Bible says in Proverbs that before honor is humility. We find here that Jesus willingly honors the Father. But before Jesus honors the Father, the Bible said that the Father honored the Son. The Father honored the Son and committed all things to Him. Made him in, brought Him into a partnership. And you know what? When you honor people, what that means is you choose to believe the best about them. You choose to empower them, responsibility, even at times where you know they might even make some mistakes. But you never give up on them. To honor people, When the Father honored the Son, the Son came, and when He came, He honors the Father. And then when Jesus began to leave the world, He says, when I come, the Holy Spirit comes. And when He comes, He will honor the Son. In the Trinity, we have this attitude of honoring one another. It's not about what I can get out of it. It's not me having the last word in the argument. Honor means that I'm looking out for the welfare of the other rather than my own interests. An honorable person reflects the concern for the needs of others over and of themselves. I want to I take you through some notes. Uh, Judy, could you turn us to the next scripture? Notice what it says, Chronicles. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and gladness are in His place. God lives in an atmosphere of honor. He lives in a place of honor. And what what Jesus did when He came, He came to honor people. He honored them by believing in them and by empowering them with responsibility and with vision and also by letting them know, I need you. Also part of honoring people is what Jesus said, we're to love our enemies. He said we're to pray for those who use us and abuse us. He says you're to do good unto them. Part of that honor means that I choose to see people through a different grid. I see them as honorable instead of myself as a victim as, as those who are just abusers. Now, how many of you know we need that kind of a radical change by the power of the Holy Spirit? We need a baptism in love here for this to happen. I want you to see another passage here in Luke, or I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2. Jump over with me to Philippians 2. Paul refers to Jesus here. It says this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, if any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others Better than himself, let each of you look out, not for his own interests, but for the interests of others. When I was young, I used to be the bass player in our choir at church in Portland years ago, and I was a... We, Our church was getting together with a probably about 40 or 50 other churches in the Portland area to have a massive crusade in our city in Portland, Oregon. And I remember my uh, worship pastor came up to me and said, Ray, you're going to be the bass player at this huge meeting tonight. And I tell you, I was just pumped, man, to think that I'm going to get to play the bass at this conference and the worship and so that afternoon, the, the, conf- the conference or the meeting was that night. And so I, I got my guitar, and I got my amplifiers, my chords, I got them in the car and went all the way down to the Coliseum. And when we got down to the Coliseum, I'm bringing this huge amplifier that was six feet tall, and the head on this, and the woofers, and the tweeters, bringing all this in. And as I'm walking into the huge Portland Memorial Coliseum, lo and behold... I see not only one, but two other bass players coming. Well, if anybody knows anything about music, you only have one bass player. So I'm coming down one aisle, and another guy, he's coming down the other aisle, and we're all coming down to the stage area because we're supposed to have this one big massive practice. And Richard Pabasco, he was an African-American guy from a different church, and he was going to be leading the worship that night. Well, I come there, and I'm thinking, wow, how can, are you playing bass? Well, my, my worship pastor told me I was supposed to play bass. And the other guy, there's a third guy here, he says, well, my pastor told me I was supposed to play the bass tonight. And so all of a sudden, we're just kind of talking, and I said, you know, it looks like we've got a massive miscommunication. Somebody didn't communicate somewhere. And so I decided... And and this was a huge disappointment because, man, I was looking forward to this. I decided to just walk away. I said, guys, one of you guys, go ahead, decide who's going to play bass. Well, by the time I'm about 100 feet, 150 feet away, I'm hearing what started out to be a normal conversation turning into an argument. And these two guys behind me are arguing about, wait a minute, I was told by my pastor, my church, that I was going to play the bass, and the other guy, they're just, they're going, and it's getting loud between these two guys. And you know what was really embarrassing is there were staff uh, Coliseum employees there watching these two so-called Christian musicians argue about who's going to play bass. And so I'm kind of walking away, and I happened to run into Richard Pabasco, who was the worship leader that night. And, he said, uh, and he says, what, what, "Where are you going?" I said, "Richard, there's been a huge mix-up. I don't know who. My, my Karen told me that I was supposed to play bass, and these two other guys from two other churches, they were told the same thing, and you know I decided just to, you, know, just let them hassle it. And so I'm walking out and I left Richard and then Richard says, Ray. I turned around and says, come here. I said, what do you want? He said, I want you to play the bass tonight. I said, why? He says, I don't want that attitude and that spirit in our service here. And I'll never forget, the Lord showed me something. You know what, I was the first, Now I sound like I'm blowing my own horn. I'm not... But you know what, I, I realize that when you humble yourself first, God will exalt you. And it was so amazing, and I, now I told Richard, I said, Richard, you know, I'll be glad to play the bass, but you are the one that's going to tell them, not me. Because <laughs> these guys were going at each other's throat. And so Richard says, he puts his arm around my neck, and we're walking down here, and Richard, by the way, this is another One of the bass players there used to play for Richard all the time. And so everybody kind of thought he would have done it. But when Richard saw him losing his cool and fighting over who's going to play, Richard said, we're not going to let you guys play with that attitude. And because I walked away from it first, I saw how God worked to let me be the (laughs) bass player that night. That was humbling, I, I will say. But I learned a lesson. When you humble yourself, God will promote you. God will exalt you. Amen? You don't have to fight. You don't have to worry about what, God's, what doors God will open. If, if you humble yourself and you honor others over yourself, God will honor you. We live in a culture that is very selfish. But you know what? We are from a kingdom of honor. And in this kingdom of honor, you know what we do? We honor all men. We respect all men. We believe in people. We are patient with people. We will wait on people because we're Christians. Amen? How many of you believe that's just good old-fashioned teaching right there? God, you know what? I don't care how great you preach, how many miracles you can perform... If you can't love one another, your faith is worthless. If you cannot learn to honor people and honor them with humility, then your faith is worthless. I believe God has great things in store for new life. But you know why? It's because we're a people that will honor one another. God has honored us and we will honor each other. Amen? Amen. We will honor each other one another. Let's bow our heads. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I need the Lord to just baptize me with a fresh understanding of what it means to honor. I've been raised in a place where there's not been a lot of honor. There's a lot of dishonor. And I need the Lord just to renew my vision, renew my heart. I want to start walking in that love and honor and respect that the bible teaches i want god's favor on my life i need the lord to quicken me maybe that's you this morning i want you to raise your hand i want to pray with you anyone this morning you say pastor i see your hand i see your hand brother anyone else anyone else i need the lord just to baptize me with a fresh understanding of his great love and grace this morning anyone else Let's stand to our feet this morning, shall we? You know what? When you know who you are, you're never left behind. When you know who you are, you're not a victim anymore. You are highly favored and honored before the King of Kings. God wants you to begin to think like kings and priests. And you know how a king thinks? In our world, kings think of themselves first. But with the king of kings, he thinks of you first. And you know what? I love this church. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to commend this church. I have never been in a church that is such a serving, honoring church. I want to tell you, I, I could just go down the line and I just see people. You've been such a blessing. You've been an honorable group of people. You're giving. I, th- I think of Dwight and Gay. Just such awesome servants in this house. They do so many things behind the scenes, such a blessing. Dwight and Gay. They do it without complaining. Think of Paula, Candice, so many of you. Alex, serving in our food ministry. So many of you, our ushers, prayer warriors. So many of us ministering such such a blessing. And you care, you honor people. And one of the things I believe that God blesses us is because you are a blessing. I am so proud of you. I really am. I am proud of you, new life. And this morning, God is here to honor us, to empower us, to become just like Him. He never tears us down. Even if we're failing or if there's sin in our life, He always restores us by honoring us. All the time. I love what He said to Peter. He said, Peter, you know what? The devil has come after. told me that he's going to come and sift you like wheat. And when you return, after you've failed, Peter, I prayed for you. I'm going to use you to strengthen your brethren. He didn't say, Peter, after you failed, you'll finally get it that you were really a, a really a rough guy. He didn't say, I can't use you anymore, Peter. He said, Peter, after you've gone through the change that's going to happen in your life, now you're ready to be used because it's no longer about you. It's about the Lord in you. Amen. I want you to take your neighbor by the hand. I want to pray for us as a body. I'm going to be on a series for the next several weeks on honor. Because we're going to learn how to honor the Lord and honor each other. We're going to learn how to respect and pray for each other. How to learn to declare life over situations that might seem to be failing. We're going to learn to walk in honor we serve a God who honors us father we pray for the church we pray this morning that we would receive the honor and the life that you give to us we thank you father that you've never given up on us you've never forsaken us you've never left us father we've walked away from you at times but you didn't walk away from us father i pray lord this morning that you would baptize us with the Holy Ghost. And honor. Lord, help us, Lord, to be like you who took upon yourself the form of a servant, did not think himself to be equal with God, but, Lord, took upon himself as a servant and became obedient even unto death. Lord, our desire this morning is to obey you and to please you and to honor you. Help us to honor you in our marriage. Honor You in our finances. Honor You, Lord, in our relationships and our treatment of other people. Father, everyone is important to You. And we give You praise. And everyone said, Amen. Turn to someone and let them know how valuable they are and how much You love them.